0: will open your bibles if you would to Exodus chapter 34 Exodus chapter 34 We're almost done with this chapter. I think we have just one more sermon on it and then four more sermons and we will be done with Exodus. Finally. We've been looking at Exodus since the fall of 2020. So 3 whole years. Um, Let's read verse 1, and then we'll read verses 27 and 28. And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Verse 27. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for according to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the ten words. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us to see that you are the author of Scripture. Help us not to neglect the human author, to pay attention to what the human author has to say, but help us to pay attention to it. Because you are the divine author. And you are, the, you are the important one. You are the one whose word makes it the word of God. Lord, show us yourself in the sacred page. Help me to speak boldly and accurately. Free us from distraction and tiredness. Help us to focus our minds on you and our hearts on your word. Give us ears to hear. We pray in your Son's name. Amen.
1: Well, if you notice,
0: the text seems almost deliberately ambiguous. The statement in verse 1 is that God says, I will write on these tablets the words which were on the first tablets which you broke. But then verse 28 says, He, obviously Moses, was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And... He wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the ten words. Verse 1, God says, I'll replace the ten commandments which were written with the finger of God. Verse 28 makes it sound like Moses replaced the ten commandments and ended up writing them down all by himself. There is a lesson here. This ambiguous reference to the author of Scripture perfectly captures the dual authorship of God's written word. The first thing to notice, these words are God's words. The Lord said to Moses, write these words. What words? Well, these are the words that God has been speaking to Moses on the top of Sinai now for quite some time. The, maybe the original reference is just to what God said from verse 10 on. Behold, I make a covenant. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Where God repeats material from chapter 23, saying, here are the trouble spots, Israel. You got into major trouble with the golden calf. Here are the laws that would have kept you from doing that. I'm going to repeat them to you. Moses is obviously being told to rewrite the words that God repeats. But we can also see a larger... A larger command here, write these words, is not just the last two or three paragraphs of God's speech. It would be everything that God has said to him at Sinai. And ultimately, this command relates to the writing of the Pentateuch, to Moses' whole project. These words, though, are God's words. That's the first and most important characteristic of the words. Write. These words, what words? The words God spoke. That's Moses' primary job. He is merely the scribe. Moses' job is to just take what God told him and mark it down. Sort of like we heard Baruch wrote them with ink in a book. A similar command is back in chapter 17. The Lord said to Moses, Write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses has already been told once in the book of Exodus to write down the words of God. Before he was writing down a threat against Amalek. Now he is writing down God's rules for Israel. Here is how to live as the covenant people of God. In both cases, Moses is writing down words that God spoke to him. God speaks words, but God does not personally write them down, aside from that first edition of the Ten Commandments, which was broken. God is the author, but not the penman. God is the author, but not the penman. So the words are God's words, and yet Moses writes them down. And furthermore, the words define the covenant. According to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant. And notice with you and with Israel, we've talked about this for many weeks. Moses saying, Lord, take the people back after their sin. And God saying I'll, ha- I'll happily take you back, Moses. Moses saying, I'm not saying take me back, I'm saying take us back. Lord, take all the people back. And only here does God say definitively, yes, I am renewing the covenant with you and with them. Moses, your mediation has been successful. Your request is answered. God made the covenant with them according to the tenor of these words. Thus, one cannot say, well, God and Israel had an agreement, but... We're not very clear on what it was. We had some kind of understanding, but the details were fuzzy. No, God says the words define the covenant. The exact agreement that we have is what is written down here in the book of Exodus. The covenant is summed up by the Ten Commandments, in one sense. Those are the beating heart of the covenant, the constitution of God's relationship with Israel. The covenant is summed up in a broader sense by the book of the covenant, Exodus 20 to 23, and in the largest sense by everything that God has revealed to Moses thus far, including this abridged restatement of the book of the covenant. God's deal with Israel, his pact with them, his covenant with them, is well-defined. And it is stated in these words and no others. God doesn't say, according to the general idea of the words, I have made a covenant with you, but according to exactly what the words say. This is why the apostles and Jesus, throughout all of their ministries, have this conviction that the Old Testament scriptures are the very words of God, that they proceed from the mouth of God. That's taught explicitly right here on the face of Scripture, with God saying, I gave you these words, I spoke these words, you wrote them down, and these words, and no other words, define the exact nature of our relationship. Just as the Pentateuch today includes two copies of the Ten Commandments, one in Exodus 20, the other in Deuteronomy 5, and also a large amount of additional material from God, so this command was ultimately kept by the work of writing all of the five books of Moses. God said, write them down. And Moses did exactly that. In one sense, then, whether verse 28 means that God rewrote on the tablets or that Moses wrote on the tablets is not a big issue. Clearly, Moses wrote with his own hand these Ten Commandments and put them in Exodus 20 and said them again in Deuteronomy 5. He was keeping God's command to write down the terms of the covenant. He read on the tablets the words of the covenant. So the words that specifically define the covenant are called the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments. How does God describe His relationship to us? He says, I have ten non-negotiables. If you are my child, if I am your God and you are my person, this is who you must be. This is the law you must keep. One who keeps these ten has mastered the spiritual life. The one who breaks them and who walks in breaking them has not understood or followed the Lord like he should. And thus, the question arises first of all, do you know the Ten Commandments? In order to be a Christian, You should presumably know what the Lord Jesus Christ wants from you. And what he wants is for you to do what he told you. If you love me, keep my commandments. What are the commandments? Well, you should be able to say, no other gods, no graven images, don't take God's name in vain, remember the Sabbath day, honor your father and mother, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. You should have the ten ready to go. Moses had to write them down and the king had to copy them down because this describes what God wants from you. So many people, so many Christians are wrapped up in, oh, what is the Lord's will? Does he want me to move here or there by this or that? eat this way or that way, wear this or that. God's will is that you love Him and keep His commandments, which are summed up as those ten things. Love is the fulfilling of the law. If you do those ten things, that's what God wants. Your relationship with God is not defined by how close you felt in prayer, by how many minutes you spent reading your Bible, by how long your church service is, or even, in one sense, how often you go, or by how many texts you can quote, including, of course, the Ten Commandments. It's defined by whether you're doing what God said to do. I have a great marriage, but every every day I do three or four things that my wife hates, and I refuse to change. I'm not repentant, I just do them. Right? What would you say to someone who told you that statement? You would have to say, well, either you don't do the things your wife hates, or you don't have a great marriage. But you certainly, both halves of that statement cannot be true. And if you have a great walk with God, but you're consistently blowing off some of the Ten Commandments, you don't have a great walk with God. That's what Moses means when he calls the word the Ten Commandments the words of the covenant. The most basic distinction in ethics is the distinction between right and wrong. Right? Very basic. You can't get more basic than that. Right versus wrong. The Ten Commandments draw this distinction to perfection. They insist upon it they will be satisfied with nothing less than perfection. In this, they are so overwhelmingly strict and even crushing that they can fairly be called the ministry of death, as Paul does in 2 Corinthians 3. The letter kills, if you camp in the Ten Commandments, and say, this is the sum total of my religion, you will die. The Ten Commandments will kill you. And so, why am I insisting upon them? Well, because God does. And also because Jesus is the ultimate covenant keeper. Jesus is the one who did exactly what the words of the covenant say. And he is the one who frees us from the demands of the law as the way to life. In Christ, as we talked about this morning... You died to the law, you live to God. That doesn't mean you no longer have to keep the law. It means you no longer have to keep the law as the way of salvation. There's a big difference there. You keep the law, not in order to be saved, but because you are saved. The law says, do this and live. Jesus says, live and do this. Jesus speaks to you, the live is unconditional. And yet, if you are alive in Christ, you will do it. And if you don't do it, that's a sign of death, that you are not alive in Christ. We're going to come back next week and speak at much greater length about Moses' glowing face and how he had the ministry of death, and yet that ministry of death was so glorious that the Israelites couldn't bear to look at it. Moses had been in the presence of God. Moses radiated the glory of God. That's what our text is going on to say. The skin of his face shone while Moses talked with God. And yet that glorious ministry of bringing these Ten Commandments, some of the most important words ever given to the human race, is the ministry of death if it's cut off From its context, Moses, God, starts the Ten Commandments with a gospel statement I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. We've talked about this. What if the book of Exodus started with the Ten Commandments? And God told Israel, When you live up to these, you will earn your freedom. I'll take you out of bondage to Pharaoh the day that you keep all Ten Commandments perfectly, Israel would still be slaves in Egypt. The very positioning of the Ten Commandments in chapter 20, the very positioning of this statement about how the Ten Commandments are the words of the covenant after God has redeemed them from Egypt, after their sin with the golden calf, is God's way of putting those commandments into the gospel context of the ultimate covenant keeper. Jesus is the one who fulfilled the commandments in our place and brings us out of captivity to Pharaoh and the law of sin and death. You're alive in Christ. You're in covenant with God. That covenant is still according to the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who raised you to new life, brought you out of bondage to sin, and into the glorious liberty of the children of God. But as a free child of God, you're not free. What? To have another God, to worship a graven image, to take God's name in vain, to break his Sabbath day, to dishonor your father and mother, to kill, fornicate, steal, lie, and covet. To live in those things is not freedom. That's slavery to sin. That's going back to Pharaoh and saying, I would like the privilege of building Python and Ramesses some more. May I please, mighty Pharaoh? Of course, Satan will say, Oh, of course, come right on back. You can build Python and Ramesses for me. But you're free. Israel is out of Egypt. Israel has been forgiven for their sin with the golden calf. As God just said, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Israel, the covenant breakers, are back in God's good graces. He is going to build the tabernacle. He is going to travel with them. He is going to keep his promise, even though they broke all of the commandments with the golden calf. And that's the message to us tonight. We're not here to go around and pat each other on the back saying, boy, it's sure nice to be with people who keep the Ten Commandments. Yes, we try. I think by the power of the Spirit, we're doing a pretty good job, all things considered. But that's not what we're here to congratulate ourselves on. We're here to worship the one who did it right, who did it perfectly, and who has brought us in, who is the mediator, who has pleaded for our forgiveness and acceptance Right. This is the Father's words to the mediator. According to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you, with Christ, and with your people. That's why we're in. Because Jesus kept the commandments perfectly. And how do we know that this is true? Because it's the Word of God. The text deliberately conflates God's writing with Moses' writing. Did God write on the stone tablet the second edition of the Ten Commandments? Or did Moses do it? We don't know for sure. You can interpret verse 1 in light of verse 28, or you can interpret vice versa. The reality is, God wrote it, and Moses wrote it. Moses wrote the Ten Commandments right here in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5, and we know that they came to us from God. All Scripture is fully divine and fully human. The New Testament consistently uses these three phrases interchangeably. It says, Scripture says, God says. Notice, for instance, Acts 2. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Joel said it. God said it, too. Moses said it. God said it too. That's why we have confidence that we're not in covenant with some imaginary tribal deity of a bunch of ancient Near Eastern goat herds. We are in covenant with the true and living God. So what should we do? We should listen. We should listen to the Word, learn the Word, heed heed the Word, pay attention to the Word. What Moses wrote is God's Word to you that should define your loves, order your life, decide what you think, inform your desires, and teach you what you ought to want, teach you to pray, teach you to work, teach you to raise your children. Moses wrote part of it. David wrote part of it. Isaiah wrote part of it. Paul wrote part of it. Luke wrote part of it. But God wrote all of it. Listen to it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you wrote every last word. That scripture is breathed out by God. That These words are from your mouth, but they are also from Jeremiah's mouth or Moses' mouth or Paul's pen. Lord, we pray that you would help us to listen to your word, correct our thinking, give us the humility to let your truth expose the lies that we have believed. Help us to reject those lies. Help us to see your Son as the great mediator, the covenant-keeping one who is also the author of Scripture and who promises us eternal life through his work. Father, we don't want to go back to building Python and Ramesses. We are free from Pharaoh, free from Satan. Help us to live in that freedom, not to use it as a cover-up for the flesh. We pray these things in the name of your risen Son, Jesus our Lord. Amen.